giving away knowledge is actually one of the main strategies that any marketer will teach you. You have a lead magnet, you have some form of your knowledge that you're you're giving away so that people understand that you actually know what you're talking about. That's totally normal. The problem for Black people is that there's an expectation of free labor that no doubt originates from the fact that this country was built on our free labor. Welcome to Begin As You Mean To Go On, the podcast for mission-driven, service-based business owners who want to increase their income and their impact. I'm your host, Karanda Adair, recovering WordPress developer, content marketing coach, and CEO of Carvel Digital. If you're ready to work hard once to create systems in your business that continue to work for you as you grow, you are in the right place. Let's dig in. Hello, friends. Welcome back. In today's episode, I want to talk to you about doing business while Black. Now, this episode is a little bit different in that, if I'm honest, it's really more for me than for you, but I also know from experience that a lot of you are going to get a lot of value from this. So before we dig in, if this is your first episode, just know it's a little bit of a departure from our usual content, but go ahead and listen to the entire episode. And then if you find this valuable, if it helps you in some way, you can do me a favor and pay it back by leaving your five-star rating and review at the end. Like this one from Veritas WD, who says, excellent resources and advice. I just listened to the Leveraging Your Content Assets podcast, and wow, I felt like Karanda helped me connect the dots in a way that I wasn't able to before when it comes to content. I love her simple yet effective approach in educating and helping business owners discover what's possible. Excited to listen to more episodes soon. Thank you so much for that review, Veritas WD, and I hope to get one a lot like it from you at the end of this episode. All right, let's go ahead and dig in. First of all, This episode has some homework. I'm going to refer you to an article that is from 2015, and I've probably been recommending it almost that long. It's called Seven Leadership Lessons for Minorities and Everyone Else by Umer Hawk, and it's over on Medium, and I will link to it in the show notes. But in essence, he does a really great job of painting this picture of the differences between building a business when you are Kevin, which is the amalgam that he uses for sort of, you know, your average white guy uh, with lots of privilege and not Kevin, which is anyone else basically, right? And he uses this amalgam and this analogy to paint the picture of what are the actual differences? Like what are the nitty gritty real things that we deal with as women, as people of color, right? As not Kevin, that white people and white men in particular just don't have to deal with. And this is analogous to, I think, you know, in reality, we all know, right? It's different building a business and you have more barriers and more things that you deal with. But it's kind of like the difference between seeing on the news that there are raging fires and thinking, oh, that's so sad. And someone coming to your door and saying, hey, the fire's at your door, you got to evacuate right now, right? It's just different when it's this boots on the ground, like everyday things in your face, things that you have to deal with. And that's some of what I want to touch on in this episode. The whole reason that I'm doing this, usually what happens is that some shenanigans go on and I get pissed off and I will do an episode or I'll do some content about this. That actually didn't happen this time, but I I know that it's coming. (laughs) 
right? I know that sometime in the future, I'm going to have to deal with some white nonsense shenanigans. So I'm just laying this down here as a signpost that I can point to when that happens. So just so you know, I'm in a pretty good mood today. I've had some Trader Joe's dark chocolate peanut butter cups, like things are going pretty well. But also I know this is going to come up. And so that's why I'm just sharing these things, these thoughts with you. The catalyst for this was pretty innocuous. I saw a post from someone on Facebook that I'm sort of distantly connected to, and it was about their event, which was all about networking and forming joint venture partnerships. So it was a a paid event for people to go and kind of like speed dating, I think, for business owners. So I read this post, which was really well-crafted. It kind of hit all the typical problems with typical bro marketing, high-pressure, high-ticket sales. Seemed like a really great event. And honestly, the first thing I thought when I read this post was that sounds like a great event for white people because the guy posting it was white and I'm sure he's connected to a lot of white people. And the reality is that if you're a white person and you're organizing an event, unless you are making a specific effort for that event to be diverse and inclusive, then by default, it's for white people because that's how this country was built. And that is the default for everything. It's so seldom that white people have to even think about this that I I actually commented and I said, hey, that sounds like a great event for white people. And you could just tell, like he literally posted question marks in response, like what, what? Like it's so seldom for white people to even have to think about this reality that me just casually pointing out it is just like a record scratch. It's like, what, what are you talking about? I don't understand, right? And I'm sure like a lot of people don't understand because that's just their normal and it's just what they're used to. I'll be honest, a lot of black people and a lot of people of color go around just having these thoughts and not saying them out loud. And I get tired of it. So I was like, I'm just going to say it. (laughs) I wasn't really trying to start some mess. I was just like tired of repressing, tired of censoring myself just on behalf of the comfort of white people. And I was like, "Eh, I don't feel like doing that right now. It just got me thinking about all the years that I spent in white led, white dominated masterminds and the fundamental ways that I was just not served well in those environments. I definitely got some good things out of every mastermind that I've ever been in. Either you win or you lose. So I learned some things. I learned some things not to do. I'm not saying that they were bad environments, but by default, they were for white people and there were some things that were missing. One of the reasons that people pay to get into masterminds is to uplevel their network. It's not always the core reason, but I talked about the importance of environment in my last episode. So you can go back and listen to the episode about normalization and about environment. Here's the problem that I found with going into those spaces as a black woman. Yes, I learned a lot of things. I met a lot of great people, but I can count on one hand the times that people actually hired me from those spaces, right? There's a certain amount of networking that goes on. There's just naturally a certain amount of you meeting people who can help you in some facet of your business and people hire each other back and forth. And that just didn't happen for me. And not saying that was my primary motivator for getting into these groups, but I watch it naturally happen for everyone else, right? When white people are networking. And what happened to me is that people who clearly needed my expertise were really happy to tag me in the group on posts where they were asking questions. They were really happy to ask me questions in my DMs. They were really happy to, you know, just hop on a call as a favor for me to give them advice. And not once did anybody hire me. I remember I did just like a little bit of work for someone in one of these groups And she sent me like a journal as a thank you. And I'm like, cash, cash is nice too, (laughs) right? Um, 
And the reason that I can now say with some confidence that this was definitely the issue is because as soon as I finally got into a mastermind that was led by a Black woman and it was built as an intentionally inclusive space, the people that I encountered in those groups who needed my help actually went to my calendar, booked a strategy call, and then hired me to help them. So you have like five years of that not happening in these other spaces. And then within months of getting into a space where that's the default is that it's mostly women, it's half if not mostly women of color. And suddenly people are like, oh yeah, I need your help. Let's do business. So that's a pretty stark contrast. And I can't ignore the contrast of that. I want to tell you a few stories of actual client experiences that I've had And these are the origins of what I call my white lady triggers, right? Um, So there's three, three instances in particular. And of course, I'm not going to name names or anything like that. But the pattern of these encounters over time became really, really clear to me. Like individually, as they were happening, like over the course of a year or two years, I didn't really think much of it. And then when I looked back over the year, I recognized this pattern. I was like, what is happening? (laughs) So the first is uh, a company, two companies. And the general theme was that they needed more help than they were willing to pay for. And so, you know, these companies came in and we did a certain amount of work together. And then they would come back and they would say, well, we really need this. And I would say, great, you can totally have that. Here's the price. And as soon as the issue of price came up, suddenly they really didn't need that thing. And they were backtracking. And with the second company, they came in. At that point, I had learned enough to not go in blindly saying that I would manage someone's website without digging under the hood and knowing what I was getting into. And so we did that. And I was like, wow, y'all got a lot of problems. (laughs) A lot of problems. They were overpaying for their CRM. They were probably paying eleven or twelve thousand dollars more per year than they needed for a super fancy CRM that they didn't even know how to use. And that was without even getting into their website. So there were all these problems that we then detailed. And then they came in and they were like, just give us like the minimum maintenance plan. I'm like, okay. Well, the minimum maintenance plan was not enough to deal with their issues. And so, of course, they kept coming back and saying, why doesn't this work? Why doesn't this work? Well, can we get this fixed? I'm like, sure, you can, but you're not paying for that. So that was one thing, just the constant boundary setting. And then there was a totally separate issue where they came to me and they were like, hey, we're paying a company to do our SEO and we're not sure that they know what they're doing. (laughs) Um, what do you know about it? And I was like, well, I know some basic stuff. I can check it out. Here's the price for that. Oh, no, 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 never mind. And I was so frustrated about this. And I was working out of a co-working space at the time. And I would go to my friend who was the owner and be like, oh my God, these white women, like, why are they so tight with their money? (laughs) Right. And she got tired of me complaining. And so my friend told me, hey, just go put my name on one of your email addresses and send it to them as your account manager, quote unquote. Right. And tell them they got to pay you. And so I did that. And within literally within 10 minutes of doing that, I had money in my account. I was like, what is going on? It was just this epidemic. This is the last really terrible client that I ever had because after this, I kind of learned enough to put in the right filters so that I'm only getting 
amazing clients that I love working with. So if you're a current client and you're listening to this, I love you. I love working with you. Thank you so much. But this was the last like really like client from hell, honestly. And I should have known better, right? Because almost immediately from the time that we got started, this client was fighting me at every turn, like every recommendation, every everything that I recommended, she was just resisting, resisting, resisting to the point where we ended up parting ways. And this person threw away the perfectly good website that we had made for them, tried to say that it was because it was just not a good website, which was not the case. And ended up hiring someone else to finish out the marketing that we were supposed to do, which was fine. But she literally came to me and said, well, why didn't you tell me that I could get this cheaper? As if it were my job to go and price shop for her, you know, based on what I was recommending to her. And that was the point where I was like, okay, we're done here. Like we're just going to part ways and do whatever we need to do to resolve whatever is unresolved in this project. And that was like the last client from hell. So that's why I have white lady triggers, y'all. And basically, it's like this feeling I get when people are asking me for professional advice and services that they are not paying for. Like, I get this bad feeling in the pit of my stomach. I don't like it. And I don't think people do this maliciously, right? Giving away knowledge is actually one of the main strategies that any marketer will teach you. You have a lead magnet, you have some form of your knowledge that you're you're giving away so that people understand that you actually know what you're talking about. That's totally normal. The problem for black people is that there's an expectation of free labor that no doubt originates from the fact that this country was built on our free labor. You can't just un do that. You can't just take that out of the national psyche. And I really believe that there is just an intrinsic pattern or expectation from white people for black people to do free labor. And if you ask any black person in business, they will probably cite you several examples where this has happened. Okay. I have so many examples. And here's the thing that really pisses me off the most about this is that I'm a pretty generous person unless there are baked goods involved. Okay, that's another podcast. But I've had to be really mindful of my boundaries so that this tendency to just keep taking and taking and taking whatever they can get does not actually negatively affect my income as it did for many years, right? Because people will just take whatever you give them. So, you know, fuck the patriarchy for making me have to be like a guarded person that I don't really want to be. right? To make sure that I actually get paid when it's appropriate to get paid. And that's not a way that I want to walk through the world, but it's necessary because of how our society is set up and because of how our systems are set up. The last thing that I want to talk about is a question that one of my early coaching clients asked, and we were talking specifically about race and racism. And believe it or not, it was before May of 2020. So kudos to her. But she asked me, was there anything that she could do that would cause me to just be done with her and not want to work together anymore? Like basically what could get her canceled, (laughs) right? As the kids say. And I know cancel culture is out right now. But in case you're wondering that, maybe you weren't, but here it is. I'm just going to tell you because there's really only one thing. Um, I can forgive a lot of things, but if someone does this one thing, then I'm done and I'm out and I don't debate about it and I don't argue. So I'm going to preface this with a tweet that I have that has been pinned on my personal Twitter account for many years. It goes like this. Number one, try to do good. Number two, fuck it up. 
Number three, apologize. Number four, try not to make the same mistake. That's the job. So I referenced this tweet because I'm pretty forgiving of just about any honest mistake that somebody makes, whether it's about race or about anything else, as long as they are willing to take responsibility for their actions and apologize. Like I can pretty much work with anybody within that framework. What I really can't forgive is if I express to someone that they've done harm to me in some way and they respond by doubling down and trying to explain it away and trying to make themselves right. That's pretty much the only thing that I won't forgive. And I don't argue about it. I don't hesitate. I just remove them basically from every realm of my electronic world, which is all we have to worry about right now. And I move on. That's how I protect my peace and save my very finite supply of energy for dealing with the overhead of whiteness and white supremacy as I move through the world. I save that energy for people who deserve that effort because of the relationship and the trust that we've built up over time. All right. It's been a lot. It's been a lot, y'all. I want to leave you with one of my favorite quotes from Toni Morrison that I go back to so often that I have a text expander shortcut that will just spit out this link for people because I refer to it so much when the inevitable shenanigans happen. And the quote is this, the function, the very serious function of racism is distraction. It keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being. Somebody says you have no language, so you spend 20 years proving that you do. Somebody says your head isn't shaped properly, so you have scientists working on the fact that it is. Somebody says you have no art, so you dredge that up. Somebody says you have no kingdoms, so you dredge that up. None of that is necessary. There will always be one more thing. There's always going to be one more thing. And rather than continually just beat my head against the wall trying to address every little thing as they come up, I make episodes like this. I make content like this. And I don't want to expend my energy constantly justifying my existence or my worth. And so, you know, consider this episode my my podcast flag in the ground. I have others in other mediums, but these are the kinds of things that I refer to when these incidents come up so that I don't have to spend that energy and I can keep moving on with my work because I deserve that and my clients especially deserve that. Lastly, I want to extend a special invitation to women of color who are listening to this, especially if you've been thinking about working with us in any capacity, I want to explicitly invite you in. And I want you to know that one of my main missions is to be an example, is to be a signpost, is to be a ladder for those of you who want to not just survive, but thrive in business and do it on your own terms. Not only is that possible, but it is necessary and the world will be a better place for it. So I really want you to succeed. So if you're listening to this and you want to work together, go to the show notes, click the link to apply to work with us. I would love to have you. I really want for my business container and my space in business to be filled with a diverse group of women. If you know somebody who needs to hear this, please share it with them. But do me one more favor and go ahead and also share one of my business episodes. Because one of the other annoying functions of racism is that this sort of content often gets a lot more attention than our actual work. And that's annoying.
even though people need to hear this. Okay. So if you share this episode, share another episode as well. All right. And if you gained value from today's episode, then now is the time when I'm going to invite you to leave that five-star rating and review. So you can help us validate this podcast as a useful and valuable tool for service-based business owners. All right. That's what I have for you this week, friends. Until we speak again, I want you to begin as you mean to go on. Content Bootcamp is my 12-week flagship program for mission-driven service-based business owners who want to get their genius out of their head and onto the internet where it can be working for you 24-7. Every week we start our live coaching call by sharing wins. And in the past month, clients have shared how they've added 50K in revenue to their bottom line this year, or how they had to miss a coaching call to onboard all the new clients they got from implementing what they learned. I would love for you to join us and share your wins every week. And right now you can get up to four extra weeks in our awesome community for the same price as the 12 week program. All you have to do is join before the end of 2020. The clock on your 12 weeks won't start until January 4th. That means you could get up to four extra weeks of access to our amazing community support and coaching and get a jump on your marketing goals for the new year. If you wait until January to start working on your new year's goals, you're already behind. Apply to join us by going to carveldigital.com slash bootcamp. I'll see you inside.